The psychedelic revolution is here. If you want to integrate your visionary experiences into your purpose, get clear on your entrepreneurial path and help people while you do what you love, then this podcast is for you. Welcome to The Psychedelic Entrepreneur, medicine for these times. I'm your host, Beth Weinstein. I'm a spiritual business coach, three-time entrepreneur, and a lifelong student of psychedelics and sacred plant medicines. You carry your own unique medicine, and your medicine is what we need for these times. This podcast will help you to share your medicine so you can create transformation in the world. Listen in on conversations with psychedelic leaders, changemakers, and conscious entrepreneurs who are living proof that a better world is possible when you follow your heart and live in alignment with your soul. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Medicine for These Times. I'm Beth Weinstein. I'm so honored to have Drew Banky here with us today. Hi, Drew. Thank you for being here. Hey, thanks for having me, Beth. Just uh, glad we could connect. Yeah, so good to meet you. Uh, this is a good one. I uh, rarely to never just invite people on who I have never heard of or don't know, but <laughs> someone had tagged uh, tagged me on a post and, you know, you and I connected and you just seemed to be really interesting. And I realized, you know, I've never actually interviewed, um, not that I can remember, maybe, maybe not, but I don't think I've interviewed a combat veteran who's worked with medicine to help heal and also make it their living, their psychedelic entrepreneur, medicine for these times business. So I wanted to bring you on. So I'm glad to have you here. No, um, so honored. I'll tell people a little, just a little of your background, then we'll go into your story. So Drew is a combat veteran, medicine man, author, public speaker, and ultimately a messenger of the ev evolutionary shift we are going, we're currently going through as a planet. Drew is also the co-founder of a nonprofit medicine church based out of Colorado. He's known for mind-bending, consciousness-shifting discussions on some of the deepest questions facing humanity today. So yeah, Drew, um, it's interesting because we've all heard of the combat veterans who've come back and then, you know, suffered from PTSD and then maybe whatever it was, drank ayahuasca and voila. Um, I actually donate to the Hero Heroic Hearts Project, and I know there's some other groups doing work like that. But I would love to hear your story, um, especially, you know, in detail, because this is pretty deep stuff. And, and uh, you know, that was one of the reasons I wanted to bring you on. I was like, well, I've never really actually talked to someone about what it's like to come from that level of experience and then have some kind of a profound healing with certain medicines. So, yeah, let's hear it. Sure. So, you know, my ceremony started, you know, from the moment I took my first breath, you know, I was, um, I was adopted at five days old. Uh, I didn't find out as an adopted till I was almost 18. So I was like five days before I turned 18. I had no idea, uh, got into an argument with older sister and it come out, you know, and she told me to ask mom and dad. And I asked my mom, um, and it was just a huge shock to me. And, um, so that was a pretty big trauma, you know, um, immediately took on, you know, abandonment issues and, and trust issues. So I had abandonment issues from my, my family that put me up for adoption. I had trust issues with my family, uh, that raised me and really I was alone. Um, I couldn't trust anybody and went through some really dark times, you know, addiction and drug use and the whole gambit. Um, and finally 
went in Army Reserves in 1999, um, come out of there uh, pretty straightened out and actually become a cop. <laughs> so I was a cop for three years, a sheriff's deputy in Georgia. And, um, you know, 9-11 happened while I was a cop and the reserve unit got activated, deactivated to go to Iraq a few times and it didn't end up going. And um, just had a really deep calling to go, ended up quitting being a police officer and, and went full-time uh, Army and found myself in Iraq like a month later, you know, in Baghdad. So that was 2005 and some of the heaviest combat, although I wasn't in heavy combat the first deployment. I basically hauled around uh, dignitaries and government officials. I was a part of a PSD, a personal security detail for high-level people visiting uh, Baghdad, basically. So uh, armored taxi, got hit by some IEDs, but never never even took my, my my weapon off safety that that deployment, really. And second deployment was totally different. I went to Ramadi in 2007, and it was, uh, at that time, it was the most dangerous city on earth. And um, the unit we were replacing, they had like a hundred engagements a day or something that they were, de- that they were dealing with. You know, they had over a hundred casualties over the year that they, that they were there. And it, it got real going to Iraq right before we went to Iraq. Um, our commanders and stuff told us to write letters like and seal them up and, and leave them with the command and they would send them to our families. If something happened to us, like it was, so it got very real before we even got there. We knew that we were going into some heavy combat and it was, um, I wouldn't say I did anything extreme or anything, but I seen, seen and did things that I wasn't expecting to go to that level with. And, um, you know, come back with PTSD unknowingly. I got out in 2009. I had, a. I had back, I had a back surgery and got out medically discharged in 2009 and, uh, never didn't have a PTSD in my packet then, uh, from 2009, 2014, um, you know, a lot of drug use, a lot of depression, suicide attempts. And, um, 2014, I woke up in the ER after a suicide attempt. I was unconscious for 28 hours and I was very, confused of how I was still alive, why I was still alive and, um, knew that everything, my life was going to come crashing down. And I, you know, I lost, lost my house. I had, a, had, was starting a business then. Um, and it was only a few months into it, lost that, that, you know, just went from bad to worse. And, um, <laughs> that was the time I met my now wife, you know, girlfriend, and, uh, she's seen a light in me, I guess. And that I didn't see. And, you know, we started dating and everything and she kind of gave me the first reason to be alive. And, and, um, fast forward 2016, I felt that depression and suicide coming back on. And I knew it was, oh, what the suicide, that suicide time in 2014 got me diagnosed with PTSD, got me enrolled in the VA healthcare system, blah, blah, blah. From 2014 to 2016, did a bunch of modalities, uh, medications, uh, talk therapy, all different types of things that the VA wanted, you know, had to suggest me to do. And none of it was really working. Started slipping back into PTSD, back into deep depression, you know, having suicidal thoughts again, and they were coming stronger and stronger. I knew it was only a matter of time. And around that time, you know, ayahuasca come up in a conversation and that seed planted in me and, you know, 
I'm sure if a lot of people listening, you know, can understand what I'm talking about. That seed started growing in me until, you know, it manifests into a ceremony. And I drank my first cup in 2016 and at Soul Quest in Orlando and didn't see anything and drank two cups. The first night was just hell on earth um, and wanted to leave. I woke my wife up early in the morning before anyone else was up. She was there with me too. And she drank medicine for the first time. I was like, how was your experience? She said, I didn't have anything. It was just horrible. I was like, let's get out of here before everyone wakes up, you know? And she's like, well, we paid for another another day. You know, we paid for a second night. And I was like, I don't care. Like, they can keep the money. I was like, I'm not going through that again. Long story short, I ended up staying, drank, drank that first cup in 20 minutes in that first cup. I, you know, felt like I was taking my last breath. Um, I thought I was... You know, there's a long story behind it, but I thought I was sitting on a railroad tracks. I saw a, a, this huge light coming at me. My physical mind was making all types of excuses of what it was. And then when the light hit me, it just was real clear what it was. And I started going through the tunnel. And at that time, it was my perception was I was seeing past lives. Now I see it more as dimensional fields or vibrational fields that we exist in. But at that time, it was a series of past lives I was seeing. And at the end of the tunnel, I met the spirit of ayahuasca and the spirit of cannabis. And they said they've been with me my whole life and I've kind of been smoking since I was like 12, you know, just an early starter. But um, yeah, just, um, you know, it just blew me away. And I sobbed in the spirit world with ayahuasca and she told me, hugged me multiple times and told me, don't worry, she'll see me again real soon. Told me to come back as soon as I could. I went back the next weekend and uh, drank two more nights. Well, drank a daytime ceremony was my third ceremony. And I went into that ceremony with the intention of asking why I was here on this planet. And it showed me writing books, speaking, um, you know, having this church and like, you know, it even showed me like meeting the Dalai Lama and things like that. And like, you know, having like really spiritual talks with all around the world. And at that time, that was not anywhere in my radar at all. You know, um, I was a combat veteran. That was my identity. And uh, I told me, I told the spirits I had the wrong person. They showed me why, why they had the right person. They showed me all that trauma and uh, the darkness that I went through, especially the stuff in Iraq and, uh, you know, being there and being in the space to take lives, um, not necessarily taking, but taking, being in that space, that mindset to possibly do that. Um, it was needed to, that same intensity was needed to help heal the planet. And, you know, I come out of that just blown away and gallons of ayahuasca later and uh, other, tons of other, you know, ceremonies and some non, uh, plenty of non uh, medicine ceremonies, sweat lodge and Sundance and everything. And, um, here I am. Um, so that's, uh, that's a short version of it. <laughs> I know. I'm like, I want to hear all the details. <laughs> um, you know, I get really fascinated by just the, the description of the VA giving, giving you probably, you know, some what antidepressants or antipsychotics or maybe a combination, right? Yeah. Was, you know, I had pills to, for, to get my mood up during the day. Then I had in the evening, I had pills to get my mood down and then I had pills to help me sleep, you know, and, you know, on top of SSRIs, you know, I was on five different medications when, um, when I had to start my detox for my first ayahuasca ceremony. And, um, you know, not only that, you know, coming back and like coming back from my fr our first weekend and 
opening up the freezer to get something out for dinner and and seeing like you know i had a a handle of crown in there that i would go through like two of those a week you know i every night i would have two or three crown and cokes and i had, had no idea i was an alcoholic you know i just had no i thought it was just i thought i was just drinking having a few drinks at night and you know just coming back with the profound like clearness of like and the rawness of where I'm at, you know, in this moment and what I needed to do to move forward. And especially after that third, that third ceremony, you know, I've had, I don't know how many ceremonies after that, but that third ceremony was just really uh, a shock to me of what I was supposed to be doing here. And I had, I knew I had a lot of work to do and I knew that going inside myself and cleansing myself was one of the first things I had to do. And like, getting my vessel ready for this mission. And, you know, I've done that, <laughs> done that in several ways. Yeah. Oh my God. Thank you so much for sharing. And um, it's just, you know, it's really incredible to hear this. And actually it's funny. I didn't even make that connection. Like, yeah, if you're on all these drugs, you have to definitely detox before you go step into the ceremony space. And, um, you know, the, the polarity of having to even just get yourself off of that is such a process within itself. Um, and it's, you know, it's interesting being in this space for a long time and also being on this path for a long time. Uh, there's a lot of us that say, oh, it's, it's not a miracle. But then again, we've all had miracles, including myself, you know, and, and these stories, you know, like your story, many, many people I've interviewed over the years, you know, myself just having like the moment, you know, like that one moment that just shifts everything or, you know, multiple moments. And like you, it was very common for me even like, oh my God, I'm never doing this again. Why am I doing it? It's hell on earth. Like, how is this good? You know, it's, it's hard. It's, it's work, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, it's interesting to hear you say like that first ceremony was so bad that you guys were about to leave. I'm curious, you know, what was it that you found to be so challenging about it was it just the physical or was it like what you were seeing or like you weren't ready I wasn't to handle seeing, all this i wasn't seeing anything i was going through a lot of pain and just you know i was you know in the bathroom a lot i, I didn't even throw up i was just in the bathroom a lot so you can let you can let yeah. you know you figure it out from there but yeah. um so i had a lot of a lot of had a lot of grief and and lower lower traumas in my lower chakras now i now through my work you know i know i can see it I can diagnose myself a lot better back then. Back then it was just like, you know, I got a, a really bad case of the flu and I'm like, maybe, you know, I'm, I'm never, I'm not going to come out of it. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. that's where my mind was there. It was just like, I don't, I couldn't go through that again, but I'm really glad I, you know, I'm really glad that I trusted in the medicine, you know, and I think it's, you know, it's all a part of the process. Like, mm -hmm. you know, the medicine wanted to see if I, was kind of pushed through, you know, and, and it knew I was anyway, you know, it just knows all. So, um, but yeah, it's just, and ultimately it's just myself. I was testing myself to see if I was going to go back into it. And I did. And, um, you know, and being a lot of things I've done, I've done Sundance and, and sweat lodge and things like that. And set with, uh, North American, native American, a lot of North American, native American ceremonies, and um, my my unbounding whiteness, <laughs> you know, is a, a big test setting in some of those ceremonies because there's, um, you know, a, sometimes ridicule and people saying things. And but coming out and being the cliche guy, the white guy with the 
the vision of being a spiritual leader. And uh, no one knows for sure whether that was vision the way it happened other than me. And, but I've just, and that's just another test. It's always, there's a lot of tests in this path, but um, thankfully uh, my path is getting less, less hills and valleys and now just a little curves here and there moving forward. So I'm, I'm, that's all I can ask for. You know, I got four beautiful children, um, two new babies. You know, I got Ember and Hawk. Ember just turned six months old and Hawk is about to turn two in January. He's a one eleven baby. Um, he was born one eleven twenty twenty two, 2022. And they're both like star babies. And I got two older uh, children, Sienna and Gage. They're 18 and 20. And mm-hmm. yeah, I couldn't ask. I got a beautiful life, you know, and, I think lots, lots of my path now is being a mirror for people and letting them see like there is hope. Like no matter how dark it can get, there's hope of what it could be. And you know, there's so many miracles. What you was talking about, you know, we were just on a reality show that just aired recently on Discovery Channel, and um, you know, going from. I got really emotional during the show and that's probably why they picked that episode. They picked our episode for the season premiere of Homestead Rescue on Discovery Channel. It aired uh, November 19th. So um, I got very emotional during the filming and like one of the final interviews, I I kind of just broke down because they handed me a a sign that they had made for Sacred Journeys Within and just holding that sign and just my mind went back all the way back to that suicide attempt and waking up in the ER and just flash forward everything that's happened from then all the way until now. It's so amazing, you know, from just, uh, just under 10 years of Mm -hmm. so much has happened. It's amazing. It's amazing how fast things can go. (laughs) I'm constantly reflecting back on 10 years because for me it's, it's, you know, 10 years has been like this rapid evolution. And of course my whole life was just this constant spiritual awakening since I was a kid. But um, you said something that's interesting last night. Full transparency, I um, actually was in a ceremony myself during the day yesterday. Mm. Don't ask. Um, <laughs> and there was just this moment where, <clears throat> you know, it's it's not new for me or for anybody, I'm sure. But, you know, there was so much collective grief moving through my channel that I just had that moment of, like, release. Like, deep guttural cry that, you know, just needed to come through. And I said to my friend afterwards, I was like, I mean, I tend to be an optimist. I tend to be a believer in um, everything is divinely perfect as it is, including every ounce of grief and war and destruction and death and things that we don't want to happen, but are happening. And um, to, you know, just know that there is always light somewhere. I mean, I really do believe that. And I said to my friend, I was like, do you have hope? And he's like, you know, I'm not sure. But I always do, you know, and I I actually was going to ask you and I wonder what is your personal mission with what you do now? Like you said, you, um, you know, you help people now you go around speaking, you have this church. What is your your overarching like umbrella mission with this kind of work you're doing and the people you're serving? Um, Just waking up humanity to the reality that of who they are. They're a particle of God living on two legs and their need to find the balance in between that those two truths. They're a living being, a 3D being, but they also need to come to another truth that they are a particle of God walking on two legs and they need to find the, the balance where, however that fits for them in between that. Like um, 
whatever feels right in the moment, basically. And, um, you know, I've had near death experiences and, you know, been working with Bufo for, you know, the past year, uh, very intensely and working with other people with Bufo. And, um, I had a profound experience with oneness back in 2018 without medicine and it just happened. I went to the throne room. I went to become source and I realized why, um, everything was, there was nobody waiting in the waiting room to become source. <laughs> there was nobody there because people to go there for a short time, and then they come back with that truth, um, of interconnectedness and oneness and everything. You know, my first book, I'm perfect. And so are you, uh, just speaks about the divinity of nature and, um, something that we need to wake up to. We've been lied to for a very long time. We've been taught to say certain things that ended up, ended up blocking us. You know, nothing's nothing's ever perfect. That's total bullshit. Like everything, there is nothing but perfection. If you're experiencing anything different, like you need to shift your perception because that's, that is what's off. Ram Dass has a famous saying like, uh, you know, not quoting directly, but the real work is in inner heart, you know, and don't get stuck in the, don't get stuck at the gate, go into the inner temple. And that could be no more true. Like our portal is inside ourselves. And I just want to wake humanity up to that. It's very empowering. And um, for us to have the collect, you know, there's two things, there's multiple things going on right now, but there's an individual shift and there's also a collective shift for the collective to shift. There has to be a mass of individual shifting. So that's my mission. Yes, that's it. Um, I'm constantly saying that too. It's like everything starts from within each individual ourselves. This is the the goal, right? It's like everybody, well, not everybody. There's a lot of external right now, like finger pointing and blaming and canceling and arguing and division and separation happening on the planet. And it seems to be getting more and more intense. And I keep saying, it's like, well, are you turning inward first? You know, like, and as I always say, the end the war within yourself. If mm -hmm. you want to end war on the planet, it has to start from within. Mm -hmm. And I'm so glad you're talking about this message about the perfection is already there. You are perfect. There's it's all of it's been programmed wrong. And I think, you know, people are kind of reaching these breaking points where they're like, okay, I sense that something's wrong because I'm miserable. I'm unhappy. I'm depressed. I'm anxious. I'm suffering. You know, it's like the, tr the collective traumas and, you know, these medicines, while yes, they can be very magical and we can have these instant healings, that it's also really important to have support, to have community, to have connections to people that will guide you how to bring the, the lessons from the medicine, integrate it into the, the moment to moment, the day to day. Now, I'm curious, um, you know, it's not, I, I told Drew this when I brought him on, I was like, well, I'm always apprehensive to interview facilitators or people with churches um, for various reasons, you know, because there's, it's like a wild west out there <laughs> and we don't know who's doing good work. But, um, sure. you know, you can usually send, sense when someone has a really good heart and a good intention and, um, you know, a very good story. And, you know, and that's, that's kind of why I was like, okay, there's something about you that I'm feeling is good and let's talk about this. But, you know, I want to talk and ask about what it's like running this legal church in Colorado and who's coming to you and why is it, is it mostly veterans? Is there a certain kind of group? Like, is there like, what's the reason why people are coming to this church and what's, what's happening like that you're sensing 
in the, the kind of clients that you're serving? Like, is there a common theme since you've been doing this? Yeah, it's whatever I'm going through, really. You know, and, you know, whatever I've been just been just start ended going through, like whatever growth pattern I'm in, that tends to be what the clientele comes to me, you know, and it's, I think that's the design of the universe, you know, so, um, you know, I go through different traumas or whatever. Um, and those are the, those are the people that come to me. And, you know, lately I've been focused, you know, for the past couple of years, I've been focused on more optimization. I realized that if I go into a ceremony with the intentions of healing something, I'm always going to have to find something to heal, <laughs> you know, but if I go in for celebration or optimization, then it's, it's just different. And those, it te- whatever I'm going, it just myself guides whatever comes to me, you know? And um, so at first, you know, it was veterans coming to us, you know, um, that was our first main intention is like, okay, I, this would be really helpful for veterans. And then uh, veterans start coming and then, you know, eventually they would start bringing their, their spouses with them or friends. And then I started realizing, you know, really quick that everybody, you know, everybody needed this, you know, come to the realization that, whether you know it or not, even if you grew up in the perfect household, you still had a trauma like sometime in your life. You know, if we can go back to when your umbilical cord was cut, if it was cut, you have you have a trauma. Like even though if, even if you have a perfect childhood all the way through all the money, loving parents, you know, and never wanting for anything, never wanting for love or anything, you still had a trauma done to you. You still had there's galactic you know, there's universal laws that's been shown to me. And one of them is like one, one being will not interrupt the path of another being. And I, I write that about that in my first book. And, um, but cutting the cord is a very, you know, people have heard of Lotus birth, things like that. Those are things, these are things that's been kind of walked, pushed under the rug and um, in the grand scheme of things, but it, it all starts from birth. Like from the minute, from the minute we first take our first breath, like, um, how we're raised, circumcisions, everything, you know? Um, but yeah, to change the world, you need to, we need to start going back to those old ways. There's a reason why there was Lotus Burst, you know? So, so that being can make a choice to separate from its source, <laughs> you know? And when someone makes that decision to sever that connect, that tether to source, I think a lot of us spend our lives go- trying to find that tether back. So brilliantly said. And yes, um, you know, I always talk about, I'm like, well, a lot of this is like so pre-birth, right? It's just, it's eternal. It's ancestral. It's past lives. I mean, it's like, there is no separation and it's like, it's such deep, deep work. And yeah, in the end, it's the disconnection from source, which, you know, I believe is the answer to it's, it's all the problems. That's it. It's like, that is everything on the planet that everybody says is wrong. You know, it's like, Oh, the war and all this. And it's like, well, what is it? The root of it all. And I have been talking about this for years and years that while psychedelics are beautiful, while we've had these profound healings, while there's the unexplainable, it's like in the end, it's just trying to bring you back to this ultimate connection. And I always look at it as this pillar of, of light that's like earth self source, you know, the, the divine pillar of, you know, why are we incarnated here and why did you choose to come here? Sure. And what would it be like if you really, you know, tr- chose to go back into that and chose to have that as the intention versus maybe like this or that. And it's like the ultimate healing 
is that, but you know, this is the human condition, right? It's being a human alive on earth right now in this times that we're in and who knows what will happen and you know, what we're might call this ascension process, which, you know, probably won't witness it fully in my actual lifetime in this incarnation. But, you know, I do believe that there is a, an evolution happening and um, hopefully we'll see a different planet, you know, at some point. It's moving many, rapidly at many this more point. lifetimes. I know it is definitely yeah. rapid. It's pretty intense. Uh- <laughs> yeah. One of the, one of the things I say pretty much in all my Bufo ceremonies, you know, is especially when people are really in that, really in the good space, like, um, you know, you're a conduit in between mother earth and father sky. And there's energy going through you and it's your choice to dictate what you do with it, you know, and you, you have each and every one of us, there's no hierarchy in this thing. That's why uh, I think the old teachings of being the shamanism and things like that, you know, Oh, don't share thing. Don't share this. Don't share that. These songs can't be sung or don't share your vision. You know, this, a lot of the, a lot of my elders uh, who I respect greatly, uh, but I just don't, vibe with some of the things they're saying because the spirits are telling me exactly the opposite. You know, like if you have a spirit are telling me if you have a spirits, <laughs> mm-hmm. say if you have an experience, share it because you're part of the collective and maybe someone else needs that, that little nugget that you have in, in your story to, to make, to create their, you know, to complete their puzzle. You know, yeah. you have that puzzle piece that they may be missing. You know, I think the old ways, had its time of protection and uh, persecution from laws and everything. But, um, you know, I think now's the time moving forward and the laws are changing very quickly. Um, it's by no accident. We were in, Col- we we're in Colorado before uh, laws started to change there. So um, I think everything is in line and now's the time to manifest, but you have to clean your vessel first before you can manifest. And cause you don't want to manifest uh, other obstacles for humanity. You want to uh, manifest like solutions for humanity. If your vessel's not clear, you're going to manifest obstacle obstacles. So, yeah. yeah, I'm constantly talking about how all it is is clearing. You know, being a channel. Like we, I really do believe we're all here to be a channel, and I agree with you completely. I've actually addressed this in previous interviews over the years about, um, you know there is a reality to the times that we're living in and we need voices. We need everybody to open up and share and, and radiate our hearts. And that, you know, our voice is our medicine. Our hearts, our energy is our medicine. This is why my podcast is called medicine for these times. It's like my, my tagline is you are the medicine we need for these times. And it's, we are in this together as a collective and yeah, the, these ways of, um, you know, shutting people down or not sharing. I mean, we're in the age of Aquarius, which is about collaboration, coming together for the greater good, for the collective. And I think, you know, more and more people are hopefully, I mean, I feel like I've been living in this a while, are waking up to this because the old ways was not really serving. And we're seeing there, there is this better way where it does take all of us. And, you know, yes, to be really... Um, in that, that clear channel of also, you know, having your ego in check. And the reality is we all have egos. We're all human. We're all going to make mistakes. It's just being human and having more of this compassion for one another and to um, come together in unity and understanding versus this, this separation of like, well, I don't like your way, so I'm not doing it and I'm not going to share. And then it's like, no, that's not what we need right now. We need actually everybody pitching in their unique medicine 
to be in these changing times and to hopefully see a greater transformational shift on the planet, which is my personal mission. But I want to I shift and ask you a little bit about Bufo. It's fascinating how these interviews always work. Everything's a mirror, right? Um, I was literally talking to some friends this morning. So I had to go pick something up that I had left at this uh, place that I was at. And somehow we got to talking about Bufo. And it's in, in interesting. You know, it's a, it's, it's a medicine that I have great respect for. I've done it a few times. I am not called to work with it much because it is just so powerful that I feel like I don't personally need it that much. And I personally feel like I don't know if anyone needs it like on a regular basis. But um, And I have seen some people maybe go into – um, including myself, the first year I did it in 2017, um, it took me about six months to integrate and then about a year to really fully integrate. And it was um, it was a little destabilizing for me, but I look back and it was a, a very beautiful experience. I'm glad I did it. But wow, it was just like <laughs> no one no one had warned me. And, you know, over the years, we've all learned a lot more. And that was, you know, kind of in the the earlier days and. I remember just being like, wow, why is, why is no one talking about how this maybe could like really destabilize some people or maybe people that are not in the right mindset or don't have the right integration support or don't really have other support or don't have their own daily spiritual practices. Um, I'm curious, you know, how do you go into the Bufo space and do you, you know, um, do you think this medicine is really for everyone and how do you prepare and integrate or, or suggest that people integrate? Cause I've kind of questioned its popularity, you know, like I believe it's a master healer medicine for these times that we're in. And sometimes it kind of freaks me out where I'm like, is this really for everyone? Cause it's, it can be, I, I've seen people kind of go in the wrong direction. Let's just say that. So what are your thoughts on that? And do you agree at, a little on that or no? <laughs> um, I do agree. I mean, I don't think it's for everybody. I don't think any of these medicines, I don't think any of these medicines are just a, a blanket, you know, for that can be for everybody. I don't think ayahuasca is for everybody. I don't think Bufo is, definitely don't think Bufo is for everybody. And I definitely don't, um, you know, I've, I probably wouldn't serve medicine to someone if they haven't to Bufo to someone if they haven't had a prior experience with some other medicine. Um, just because Bufo does need a some structure to to set on, you know, a foundation. That's the word I was looking for. Bufo needs a foundation to set on. <laughs> it's a big, it's a big understanding to that comes with it. Um, the whole oneness thing and. Um, you know, if you haven't had at least some experience with psilocybin or preferably ayahuasca or something beforehand, um, especially to see how you're going to react to it. Um, you know, if, definitely um, I would like people to see it before. Um, it's very powerful. Um, definitely, uh, you know, source source frequency, no doubt. And um, but it. Maybe it could be for everybody at some point. I'm not. I'm not one to say that. I'm not no authority on it. Um, but it could, you know, definitely tread lightly going in for you know when I serve bufo to anyone. I'm very tread very lightly. I usually give a small dose first before I administer you know the, the larger dose. Just see how someone's gonna uh, react to it. Uh, see you know just the the onset because the sudden onset of vibration is if you're not ready for it if you have no experience with that. 
it's it can be extremely overwhelming um to say the very least so i always i always give a small dose um when i am serving it but our processes start you know sometimes years before um people actually come out and do ceremony with us the the pre you know pre integration pre workup and post integration is the largest part of what we do um you know my wife and my the co-founder of sacred journeys within ella she's a lpn nurse so she she does heads up our medical side of it the checkups and everything uh, we try to screen everybody as much as possible and there's a few people we won't don't work with um extreme uh areas of psychosis multiple personality syndrome things like that we won't work with any medicine other just like maybe rape ceremonies or something or sound healings but um we try to work with everybody um, but you know obviously i mean these medicines the first thing I ask people, like, what's calling to you? And like, they they call up and ask for or ceremony or interest in a ceremony. And if they don't, you know, specifically say up front, you know, I ask them, like, what medicine is calling to you? What what have you been seeing in your dreams? Like, what were you know what words have you been seeing a lot lately? So I think these medicines call to you. And um, ultimately, if you sit down with someone and they serve the medicine, it's the right time. Whether it's a lesson for the practitioner or if it's a lesson for the participant, it's the right time. So it's, you know, I'm not, I, I don't, I don't look at, you know, I'm more of an observer mindset now, you know, really in my walk um, and don't really pass judgment on anything like that. It's, is very helpful, transformative, no doubt. Uh, the lessons that come out of it, if you can absorb them in the proper way um, can be life-changing and, and ultimately you know, earth changing. Yeah. I'm glad you shared that. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, it's been interesting to explore it. Um, you know, my personal experience was that, yeah, I got the large, um, full release dose my first time. And yeah, it was one of these things where I was like, I don't know if I need this again in my life. Like that was (laughs) so powerful that I think, you know, it was, it's something I, I say it's like in every five years, maybe, or every 10 years or when is really calling you. But here's the thing. And this is what my friends and I were talking about today was that I have seen in certain medicine communities and certain people that there's, um, you know, there's now just such an availability out there and um, it's become very popular. And of course, people are hearing about it. There's people maybe doing it a lot you know, and I always wonder like, what's that about? Do you, do you need it a lot or it just feels really good? Cause there is an aspect of it where it's like, wow, you know, who doesn't want to feel that, that connection, that oneness, Mm -hmm. which, you know, I personally, like you said, it's like, I've had some of my most profound spiritual oneness experiences without any medicine, just within like a moment of life that just, you know, there's like a, a clip, you know, and it's like, oh, so to me, I always, talk about how this is available and this really is available all the time. And I actually see it more as um, a potential tool for how we can access this on our own. But I'm curious, you know, what do you, do you, do you have any, and cause I, I also agree with you. I also try to be, you know, teach their own non-judgmental because yeah. everything is a lesson, some form of evolution. And, you know, here's the thing, everyone has to go through their lesson somehow. Mm-hmm. But what do you think of people maybe doing it all the time or coming back or like, you know, even the people you work with, like, why are people turning to this medicine? Is it because they hear about it on a podcast and they are fascinated by it? Or is it that they're like, 
like for me, it was something I was really trying to break through that I just couldn't break through. Like for years and years and years and years and years of therapy, I was like, okay, this is one of my last resorts, you know? Yeah. So just start off, I was anti-bufo for a a while. You know, I was Mm. married to ayahuasca and thought that, you know, I shouldn't go outside of uh, out that medicine or branch out, you know, and, uh, you know, to back up, you you know, people, I had a Renato, our medicine uh, teacher, you know, both me and Ella's medicine teacher really, um, really got me to take on the altar of San Pedro. And that was like the first altar outside, the major altar outside of uh, ayahuasca that I, that I hold. And, uh, you know, I did uh Yopo maybe back in, 2008, 17 or 18. And um, that totally shut me off from 5MEO for a long time. You know, I, a light, I saw a light in the corner of the room and I was with uh, my, one of my teachers and we, he was serving it and I was setting up behind the altar and back in the corner of the room, this light started opening up and this big doorway opened up and these three grays like ducked down and come through this doorway and they walked in the room, they grabbed me by the hand. They showed me how to use my hands to heal people and all kinds of stuff. And that really shut me off to five MEO for a long time. When people offered me Bufo, people offered give me Bufo, you know, just here, take a half a gram, you know, take it back with you and work with it. You know, you can work with it. I'm like, um, so I had, you know, people give me Bufo and I was holding on to it. I was like, I don't want to work with this. Like, I don't want to go, back there you know um but you know eventually curiosity got me and um eventually sat down with it in the proper way and uh saw that it was 5meo wasn't the same as that was not yopo and bufo was not the same as 5meo but two totally different like paths that it teaches you know and um yeah, I just realized, and this is after my oneness experience and what I experienced in that was pretty much exactly the same as that. And I come out of there and I sobbed for a good, you know, half hour of just like how much, how much it could help humanity. And, um, you know, the medicine showed me that I'd be working primarily with that moving forward. And I, you know, sobbed more and more at that, just like, cause I was such in gratitude to be trusted with serving it. Um, mm. I forgot the question. Sorry. Yeah, no, that, those, this is good. Actually. Well, this kind of leads to the next question is, sorry. um, now when you say like helps humanity, cause honestly, that's what I feel about all of these, you know, it's like you come out of them or even not out of them. And you're like, maybe this is our only hope, you know, on some level. I mean, that's kind of it's what started me onto this path of exploring how these medicines are awakening us to purpose or, you know, fulfillment and questioning what we're doing with our work because work is so ingrained into our quote survival here, even though that's just actually part of the whole system as another conversation. But, um, but, you know, it made me question like, well, what is this all about? Why are we, why are these growing in popularity? Why is, why are these medicines even here right now for these times? Why even Bufo has this whole mystery around it? It's kind of a quote, newer discovery. And, you know, what is this for? Why is it here? But what do you, when you really drop into all this, like, why do you think these medicines are here right now? And where do you think we're all going with this? Like, have you ever explored this? I'm sure you have. Yeah, I think we're going, <laughs> uh, I think it's a cycle. I think every, I have a theory that everybody incarnation right now in on this planet, um, a lot of us, if not all of us, have some type of 
past lives uh, connected to us or vibrational spaces connected to lives that we're in now from Egypt. And, um, you know, there's been plenty of times where people come out of ceremonies and they speak to me and they're like, I remember you from Egypt. You know, I remember you serving medicine in Egypt. And some of them remember me serving Bufo in Egypt. Um, and um, coincidentally, I've been, there's a trip in the works where I might be going to um, Egypt and serving Bufo to um, a famous lady that's uh, well known. Have you ever heard of the guy that um, mapped? Um, long story short, I think it's for humanity. I think it's awakening. I think it's awakening up all the master healers out of their sleep for humanity. I think Bufo's here for that. And I think it's ultimately, I think everybody on incarnation I, will come to this conclusion. Hopefully, in in the lifetime, I've been shown it's going to happen in our lifetime. I think that I see this whole evolutionary path um, moving forward so fast in the years to come um, that it will happen in our lifetime. I think that's why it's so special about our lifetime, our, our, this time right now is because a lot of us is, you know, being born in one reality and, and going to be passing away in the other, you know, passing physical form in the other. I mean, just, just over the past couple of years, we went from, aliens being fictional to all, all of a sudden now the government's admitting that we've been watching them for years, which a lot of us known that from just intuition or ceremony or whatever, or, or personal experiences. Um, you know, and I think that's part of it too. Um, the more, the more you open up to these ways, uh, the more people are, you know, reporting having uh, experiences with our star brothers and sisters. Um, I spoke about it many times before. This has never been a secret to many Native American tribes that our star brothers and sisters are actually family, really a, a future uh, version of ourselves. Um, you know, timeline is not, time is not linear. Time is very cyclical, uh, cylindrical, you know, moves around, uh, moves around everywhere. So, um, you know, Bufo, you know, helps open up all these things. I think ayahuasca is here to help us connect back to the earth, connect back to our divine, especially for, you know, a lot of warriors, you know, uh, combat veterans go to go to ayahuasca and get connected back to, you know, their inner child and their, their, their divine feminine, their mother and the divine mother. And I think ayahuasca is doing, you know, the other side of that or maybe a, a different aspect of it is connecting back to our source, our true light, you know, the center of the universe, the center of the crystal planet and the darkness, you know, it's, that's where the throne room's at. And that's where Bufo takes you. So good. And this is, I agree. Um, I've seen visions of like, I mean, we have to admit things are moving very fast. There's a lot of evolution happening extremely, extremely fast. And the visions I've been seeing for over 10 years now have all shown me this lifetime. But then I'm like, wow, is that realistic? How's that, how's that possible? But then, you know, I have hopefully 50 more years left or so. <laughs> Who knows? But um. And yeah, I mean, at the the rate everything's going and then, um, you know, with these medicines and with other modalities and then other gifts coming online, I mean, more and more people I've been talking to, even myself, it's like you, you just can't deny that there's um, certain spiritual gifts or energetic gifts that just weren't possible even a few years ago that are like coming online for so many people. And it's like, well, 
like you said, if we're able to work with it and see it and be open to it, it just keeps showing itself more and more. And that's one thing that I believe these medicines has been have been really helpful with is, you know, it's like even tapping into synchronicity and intuition and just yourself and the the magic of reality. The second you start to open up that perspective that like, wow, this is heaven on earth. This is the magic is available at all times. You don't need magic mushrooms to show you magic. And the more you see it, the more it just it shows up for for you. And it's like then you live in a, a whole different reality. And I probably a lot like you, I look back on, you know, 20 years ago and I'm like, wow, I mean, things were pretty magical. Even as a little kid, I, I always picked up on certain things. But now it's like every moment, even in the most challenging situations, it's like I can see mm -hmm. The dots mm -hmm. connect. I can see the divineness and everything. And, and then it makes us so much better able to serve during the hard times. And I do believe, um, as you were saying, it's like so many of us are getting tested. You know, there's a lot of tests coming up and it's, you know, there's been challenges for so many people and even like, you know, combat veterans and people going through major traumas. It's like, well, what is it all for? Right. And if you're here to serve, or you're here to, you know, step into your purpose like, like Drew said, know who, who you truly are and then be able to give back and serve. This is what it's about. Mm -hmm. And I do believe it's, it's time for everybody to come in and, you know, it's all hands on deck. Like, what are we uh, dragging our feet for? And, you know, in the end, it's like, this is your incarnation. Yeah. <laughs> like, how are you going to live it? Right. Yeah. You know, I think, uh, I think important thing to address at this point is like, uh, one thing that's plaguing the spiritual community at this point is imposter syndrome. And uh, that comes from judgment from our peers. Um, uh, that being said, there is discernment. You know, you can't, mm -hmm. you can't drink a, you can't have one cup of ayahuasca and think that you're ready to serve the medicine. Like when we first started in our service, when we got called to service, you know, we started emptying buckets and cleaning out purge buckets mm -hmm. and making, mm -hmm. cleaning up messes in the back, you know, the, the, the dirtiest of dirty, like, things um that's how our service started when we first started um down this path you know i didn't go from drinking ayahuasca to serving bufo there's been a lot of things that's yeah. happened in between but um that being said there is the people putting down you know one person gets the vision, but then they hear someone else gets the vision to serve. And now they know that I've been serving for a year. Or I've been serving for two years and this person shouldn't be doing it. Well, who are you to say, you know, you don't have any authority. You're not, you don't have any authority of this medicine. It doesn't matter if you're, if you're wearing a head full of feathers, you don't have any authority over this medicine or the spiritual world. Like there is no authority. No one owns it. We're all, no we're all in this, this together. And um, so that's, that's something that we need to, to look at and address more, um, you know, step into your power and, um, but be real with yourself. Like if you're not right, mm -hmm. you know, don't serve medicine, you know, That's and don't, don't push yourself. ceremonies. Like if people come to you for ceremonies, then it's meant to be, you know, and, you know, we, we advertise for ceremonies, but we never, you know, we're never out there like begging or anything like that. I don't have to do that. Any, you know, definitely don't have to do that, but, um, you know, what we're focused on right now is people with large downstreams because that's going to be the most effective, you know, business owners. Um, and a lot of people come to us, they have, um, you know, five 500,000 people on their downstream. And that's, 
that's really taken it to the next level for me. You know, I'm not just helping one person. I'm actually, if I can change the head of a business, then I don't have to serve medicine to those other people. You know, they're, they're going to be affected by the, the repercussions from, from that one person being changed. And, um, you know, it's a numbers game for me at this point. There's a lot of people out there that need help. I know I'm not the only one doing this. Um, I wouldn't want to be, <laughs> um, but um, I'm definitely going to do my part in the time that I still have here. And um, also going to be working on trying to remain my, you know, preserve my memory so I can carry this on to the next so I don't have to restart. And I think that's where we really, I think that's really the truly key to immortality is keeping our memory from one incarnation to the next. And hopefully um, I'm past the forgetting stage and uh, I can start off where I left off, wherever that is in this lifetime. (laughs) I love it. God, that's funny. That's actually come up for me recently. (laughs) Um, Oh my God, Drew, this has been such a great conversation. I actually agree. And we should, I could totally talk to you for hours about imposter syndrome versus discernment because It's actually a huge part of the work I do with my clients is to get into this balance of, um, yes, maybe not everybody's here to serve huge doses to everybody and their mother, but how do you still serve and show up in your purpose and keep your ego in check and be discerning and, and, you know, get past the imposter syndrome because again, everybody has their own unique medicine, but maybe it's not necessarily becoming, um, a shaman after one one experience Mm -hmm. and then trying to serve medicine the next day. But, um, you know, and this is what we'll see, you know, this is the, the medicine for these times is really stepping in your personal power, as you said, and shining your light and having your voice be heard and getting out there in the world because you are needed now. Mm -hmm. But Drew, I want to conclude by asking, um, where can people connect with you? Do you have a website and you mentioned a book? So, Go ahead and share and then, you know, anything coming up in the next year that you want to shout out. Yeah. Um, so uh, first book, we can find me Sacred Journeys Within, um, Journeys is spelled with I-E-S. Uh, you can just type in my name and find it, um, Drew Banky, um, or, or the website. And you can find a lot of things, links to my books uh, from there, um, all types of different things. Rape, we got an online store there. Uh, my first book, I'm perfect. And so are you, uh, and find your inner guru is my second book. They're both on Amazon. If you can't find them on my website, um, I'm sold out on my website. So don't even go there trying to buy a book. You can check out our whole story and find pictures and links to tons of other podcasts I've done and speaking events. Um, about 95% sure I'm going to be speaking at winter Delic up in St. Petersburg here in Florida, um, next weekend. Um, haven't been totally confirmed for it yet, but I'm probably going to be speaking there, speaking on manifestation, uh, human evolution. And I think I can't remember the third topic, but I'm going to be speaking. Those, those are my topics I'll be speaking on. And um, yeah, there's a show on discovery channel, homestead rescue. We were part of that. Um, our episode is on season 11, which just aired November 19th uh, episode one, where the wild wind blows and um, get your tissues ready. It's very emotional. There's a lot of crying in it. Me and my wife said that we should make like a, we don't drink anymore, but a smoking game <laughs> of like uh, taking a bong hit or something every time that someone cries on the show. But um, we talk about mental health in there. You know, um, suicide has affected, has been 
a big problem in our family. And that's another test of um, you can spread the message, but you can't always help the people that are closest to you. You know, you have to, and those as a huge, huge lessons on that. So that comes out on the show, just be prepared. It's very emotional. We do talk um, pretty openly about suicide during that show. So it's probably one of the reasons why I got picked for the first episode. Um, other than that, we're going to be doing a lot of expansion next year. Um, working about to lock things down with an investor and buy another property. So the first part of the year is uh, definitely going to be getting into a new property, getting it set up and be looking forward to a brand new location for the base for sacred journeys within. And next year is going to be amazing. I hope for everybody. And yeah, when, you know, one thing that come to mind when, when the hallucinations change to visions for me, they come, they it change from something really cool to something very profound and life changing. So, you know, take what you see in these ceremonies, like dissect it. It's there for a reason, like, and apply it to your life and see how it integrates with your life. It's there for this lifetime. You know, these are messages for this lifetime. Now they're not messages for past, present and future. They're messages for what you can do now. And, um, you know, that's a very profound thing. When the hallucination changes to a vision, it becomes very profound. So I pray that for everybody and love, light, and happiness to everybody. And thanks for having me, Beth. I appreciate it so much. Thank you so much, Drew. It's so good to have you here. Lots of love. I hope you enjoyed the episode. If you're feeling inspired, I'd appreciate it if you showed your love with a review. And check out my YouTube channel where you can find the video version of this podcast. You can also head to BethAWeinstein.com to learn more about me and grab my free business growth trainings. Remember, you carry your own unique medicine and your medicine is what we need for these times. 